Mom, dad, I want to talk about your thoughts about how you want to age. And then all of a sudden, it's like, ah, it hits them in the face that, oh, I am not going to always be around. You are listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, we sit down with entrepreneur Connie Hill Johnson. She says that you must be prepared for the role reversal. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. We are gearing up for an amazing, amazing series called Courageous Money. I'm kicking it off today with Connie Hill Johnson because I really want us to be prepared to have some courageous conversations in our lives when it comes to money. And so we're doing this more regularly, like twice a year, I'm going to do very specific money-related topics. Uh, Because outside of that, Purpose Chasers and OG listeners, you already know that we talk about a myriad of things that relate to money, sometimes more indirectly, though. And if you're new here, here's what you should know about the Redefining Wealth community. We are a group that believes that wealth is so much more than money and material possessions. We believe that wealth is about well-being. And so we talk about six different pillars, not just money at all, but six different pillars that truly impact how we see and view and manage our money more wisely. And this conversation is so necessary and I intentionally moved it. It was supposed to be a couple weeks from now, but I moved it because it's one that I feel is mandatory as we are coming up on the Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S. and the Christmas holidays and whatever else you may celebrate around this time when you are going to be around family. And I want to arm you with the tools to have a courageous conversation with the people that you love, whether that be your aging parents, we're all aging every day. So whether that be your aging parents or your siblings, the folks that you need to make decisions with in order to take care of your aging parents, this is critical. It is not something that you can just put off for someday, one day, because accidents don't make appointments and things are coming down the pipeline that you have no idea about. And I just would rather you be ready and stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right? Because in the midst of a crisis, it's too chaotic to have to get ready. And so this conversation, mm, so good. (laughs) When we first got on, I was like, maybe it'll be about 30 minutes. No, it is a long conversation because it's a necessary conversation. Now, before I jump in to today's episode, I have to tell you that this one was brought to you by me. (laughs) Actually, it's brought to you by Purpose to Platform. We are now enrolling. So if you're starting to think about what's next for you when you leave your possibly high paying but maybe unfulfilling job and have no clue of where to start to build a strong foundation, my business accelerator and mentorship program, Purpose to Platform, may be just what you need. This 20-week online adventure will get you clear on how to package your purpose, communicate your promise to your ideal audience, choose the best platform for your personality and lifestyle, and create a premium offer. 
You'll have accountability and support in a dynamic community so you can finally make progress and be ready before you even need to pull that trigger on what may no longer be serving you. So book a breakthrough call today at Purpose2Platform.com. That's Purpose, the number two, platform.com. And let's see if we're fit. Seats are limited and I'd love to serve you. So here's Connie's formal bio before we begin. Constance Hill Johnson is the owner and managing director of Visiting Angels Living Assistance Services in Cleveland, Ohio. Visiting Angels is an in-home service provider assisting the elderly and older adult to live as independently as possible by remaining safely in their own familiar home environment. Her business, now in its 17th year, has successfully served hundreds of seniors throughout the greater Cleveland area and surrounding communities, and her professional background includes over 10 years of senior healthcare management experience in a variety of healthcare settings. Connie has a degree of Master of Public Administration with an emphasis in Health Services Administration from the University of Southern California. You know I'm pumped about that. Go Trojans. (laughs) So without further ado... Here is Connie Hill Johnson. Welcome to the Redefined Podcast, Connie. Thank you for having me, Patrice. I am excited to be here with you. I'm excited to have you. So this has been a long time coming, several months now, but I always believe that the timing is divine because we are gearing up for the holidays. And this is one of those conversations, Connie, that I truly believe gets left out when we're talking about who made the best potato salad and who, <laughs> um, and who didn't do the pie right and all this stuff. This is the conversation that we actually should be having. And so let's go back. We met on a cruise to Cuba. Well, we, we were invited by friends, so we weren't complete right. strangers. Um, shout out to Nicole in Orlando, uh, right. Columbus and Cleveland. Over dinner one night, we just got into this really, really great conversation about basically preparing for these conversations that we need to have with loved ones. In particular, I think not just our parents, but even our siblings about our parents. I just remember it being like so, so juicy and one of those things where I was like, "Mm, okay, yeah, we need to talk about that. So let's start with the business that you own and then we'll get into like the more personal story. The business that you own, Visiting Angels, does what? Visiting Angels, and again, Patrice, thank you so much. This business that I'm in is personal and professional. Mm -hmm. But um, Visiting Angels is a home care agency. I'm in my 17th year, kind of stumbled into the business after a a downsizing, literally laid off from working in a hospital setting, ran into a franchise model. Visiting Angels is a franchise and jumped into it, purchased a franchise in 2002, moved back home to Cleveland. I had been living in St. Louis and very familiar with the healthcare arena having worked in that for years, but decided to buy a business. And we focus on taking care of seniors and keeping them safe and independent in their homes. That's that's really it in a nutshell. And so because of what you do, though, you see a lot of stories. Oh, my gosh. You, you know, Patrice, if, if maybe in my next life, and you and I can talk about this on another podcast, I'm going to write a book or, or, <laughs> or really go on a speaking circuit 
talking to those of us who are the adult children of aging parents, because you don't know what you don't know. And I hear people say all the time, you know, you have children and no one gives you a playbook when you leave the hospital with your newborn baby in your hand. Mm -hmm. It is the same thing with our parents aging. No one gives us a playbook on how we're supposed to help them plan for growing older, what they should do, what we should do as their adult children. And so for every story I have heard or every family challenge I've encountered, there are 500 more to tell you about. Oh, I can only imagine. And so the reason I really thought it would be important for redefining wealth listeners, my purpose chasers, is because so many of us are in the sandwich generation, if you will. Like we're in that sandwich stage of our life where most of the audience is like late 20s to early 50s, which means Uh that many of us are typically preparing for children or taking care of children, grooming, raising, and so on and so forth. And now we find ourselves with the task of taking care of our parents. And what a big responsibility. Like people don't talk about how not only do your kids need to be on that budget that you're planning, but the reality is you have to start planning for your parents as well. Well, and, and, and if you recall when we were on the cruise and I remember when you literally turned around, you were having a conversation, I was having a conversation and you heard me either say visiting angels or something about aging parents. And you immediately turned to me and started talking about your recent journey with your mom. Mm -hmm. And that's when we as adult children start thinking about, Oh heck, what am I supposed to do? And what is this going to cost? And I don't know this about mom or dad, and I don't know that about them. And I don't know what their wishes are. And so you're right. Trying to prepare ahead of time for those of us, uh, who are adult children, it's difficult because it's that it's that awkward place we're in where there's still mommy and daddy. I don't care how old we are. There's still mommy and daddy, but we don't know again what we don't know. And so we don't know even how to start the conversation with them about what we should do when they start to get older. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about where we start the conversation, like what are the types of things that should be a part of, you know, knowing how to prepare for this? Well, well, I always say to people, have the conversation before anything major happens, before a crisis hits. And again, I think what what caught your attention was you were responding to some urgent needs with your loved one. Yes. So I always say to yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll just tell you guys real quick. So if you listen to the podcast, you remember late December, my mom fell and broke her shoulder in four places. And so when I met Connie on the cruise, I was coming off of that. <laughs> not It was really still just in the midst of it, but I was coming right. off of this whole ordeal where my mom lands in the emergency room on my anniversary and going to the hospital and having all these conversations. It was, it was the broken shoulder in four places, rotator cuff torn apart, you know, uh, fractures down to the elbow. And uh, she would not be able to obviously drive or work or any of that stuff. And I'm on the road every week speaking and doing my thing and traveling for business. I canceled several events until my aunt Mm -hmm. and cousins could come help out. And 
you know, they were talking about six months of recovery. And I lived outside of the city of L.A. My mom lived in L.A. and I lived in South Pasadena. For those of you who are in California, familiar. So we're talking about me almost being 50 minutes away and having a child that I still have to drop off to school and pick up by a certain time and dealing with L.A. traffic. And I was like, oh, my Gosh, (laughs) I had never thought about, honestly, as as proactive as I believe that I am. And that was the wake up call. I think that was probably why when I heard you speaking, I was like, "Er," you know, like the antennas went up like this is a conversation you need to pay attention to because this was a shoulder break. And thank God, you know, because it could have been worse. Remember, the car could have rolled over her. So this it it was a whole thing. Um, It could have been worse. Thank God that it wasn't. But it definitely made me go, okay, beyond even the long-term care insurance policy that I had, you know, started a couple of years before, like, I wouldn't have known exactly what she wanted if something did happen to her. And I don't want to be in a place where I'm now arguing with my brother about what right. we're going to do with mom. Right. And, and that's the other, that, that's even part two of the conversation. So the first one is, I always say to people, have the conversation when all is well. So, so that you're not in the situation like you were, Patrice. The mm-hmm. crisis happens and you're thrown in the panic mode. You don't know what to do, where to go, where to find documents, what to ask, what not to ask. And so, you know, step one, I always tell people is, Sit down with your loved ones, your parents, your siblings, when all is well. When all is well, everyone's healthy, everyone's doing well, and have the conversation. Why is it that no one wants to talk about growing old? We're all going to grow old. Whether we like it or not, we're all going to age. And so for our parents, we see them as always vibrant and active. And just like your mom, she had an accident. She failed. And you had to move into action. So, so the first thing I say is sit down with your parents the next time you're at home. We're going to be approaching the holidays soon. That's, that's generally when a lot of people go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas. So sit down and just ask them. Say, Mom, Dad, hopefully you're at the table with your siblings. W- what are your wishes? We know you're now in your 60s or your 70s. What are your wishes? Where do you want to live? What, what would you like us to do for you if you get to the place that you're not able to take care of yourself or God forbid you have an accident or you're diagnosed with some kind of chronic illness or disease? So, so that's the first thing. A lot of times we make assumptions that we know what mom or dad wants and they may tell us something totally different. But Connie, so, what happens when they don't want to say anything? Because I, ima- I can see people right now going... My mom is not about to answer this question, right? Or my dad is too hard-headed and they're going to say, do what you want. I don't care. I'll be gone. I'll be sick. I'll be out of it, right? Like, I can imagine because parents are not used to, again, like you said, they're still mommy and daddy, right? So even though we're 30, 40, 50, they're like, listen, little girl, (laughs) right? They can still try to take that stance with you. So how do you do it? when that's their attitude. And, and, and you know, that's a good question. And, and there are probably more parents like that 
than not. You're right. And, and, and parents can make us feel like we're still 12 when we're 50. I know that I lived it. And you still feel like the little girl and you say, my God, I'm 50 years old. And why do I feel so small when my mom or my dad are talking to me? But, but you have to lovingly push. I think one of the things is as siblings, if you have siblings, try your best to be aligned because parents are good to pit one adult child against another. So try first to see if you're aligned with your siblings. Try to have that conversation. The other thing is if they push back and say no, you know, turn it around and say, you know, mom or dad, I know you love me and I don't want to be doing things that don't honor what you want. If I end up making decisions for you when you're not able to have any input, it could be totally opposite of what you desire. So if your desire is to stay home, but you don't tell me that and we don't prepare for that, if something happens, I might immediately just start looking for a nursing home. But you never told me you wanted to stay home. Or it could be the opposite. I've heard parents say to their children, I don't want to stay home. Just, just find a good facility. Make sure you come visit me. That's where I want to go. But again, we, we, if we don't get them to share a little bit with us, or if they don't want to have the conversation, Patrice, ask them to write it down and give it to a mm. trusted friend. Some parents may just, just like we as adult children are sometimes uncomfortable talking to our parents, maybe they're uncomfortable facing their mortality and thinking about, wow, I might end up being a burden on my two kids. Honey, then say, Mama, that's write it down. good. That, you know, it, I have never thought about that. We think about, oh, they're trying to be difficult or they don't trust me or they, whatever we may think, but I have never thought of it from that perspective they may be uncomfortable uncomfortable. having to think about their own mortality. Their own mortality, their vibrant, particularly when you're having that conversation with them when they're healthy and vibrant and and still driving and active in the community. And here you are saying, mom, dad, I want to talk about your thoughts about how you want to age. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, it hits them in the face that, oh, I am not going to always be around. So, Encourage them to write it down. Say, you know, during your quiet time or when you're sitting at the kitchen table over coffee one day this week, just write it down. You can either give it to me or you can tell me where it is, whether you put it in the safe deposit box that hopefully I will have access to or whether you give it to your your family attorney or whether you give it to your pastor. But tell me who you're going to give the document to so that should something happen, I can pick up the phone and call that person and all of your wishes are there in writing. So there are multiple ways uh, that's so good. To, to get to the end result, hopefully, Patrice. So I, I love that. I love the writing it down. What a what a great point. And I was yeah. also thinking as you were speaking, if the conversation is too overwhelming to have all at one time, what do you think about kind of chunking little pieces of it here and there or planting seeds? As you go, just kind of gathering things here and there. Yes, I I think that's perfect because it is overwhelming. And and think about it, even at our age, we may not be as old as our parents, but we don't necessarily right now want to talk about uh, growing older. And you and I both, I think, had this conversation before. In our society, growing older isn't sexy. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one wants to, t- there's no way around talking about the aging process uh, without it being daunting and a little scary. And again, forcing us to face our mortality. So I would take it in, in bits and pieces. You may want to just start the conversation by not even necessarily talking about aging. But again, think about your mom um, who had an accident. Mm-hmm. You may just want to say, you know what? Life happens and people have accidents and they, they, they get sick. They fall down the stairs. Where's your paperwork? Mom, have, have you written out a power of attorney? Have you written out? Do you have uh, a place where I have access, if needed, to um, important documents about your health care? Um, if you're not able to make it to the bank and you want me to pay your bills, if I don't have access to your account through a financial power of attorney, then I can't help you. So you, mm-hmm. you may want to start that avenue just saying, if something happened, not if something happened because you're older, but if you got sick, who's going to maintain the day-to-day things that need to occur here for you? So that could be for anyone. That could be if you're 45, that could be if you're 85. So you might want to just start with that conversation about, hey, mom, where do you keep your paperwork? Is it in a safe deposit box, a shoe box? Where is it so I can access it? So that might be the first conversation to have. That's good. That's really good. Okay, now let's shift into conversation number two, which is with these siblings. If you have siblings or other people who could be involved, this is one of the things, even since meeting you on earlier this year, honestly, where I have seen this go wrong, I can't tell you how many times this year. And in my own family, my mom uh, had an aunt that died and the, the way the grandkids, it, I mean, when, when folks pass away, everyone believes that they know what Big Mama wanted. Because right. Big Mama told me when I was seven. And no, but she told me when I was visiting in college, yep. this, this, and that. And they all had conflicting stories. And instead of yep. coming together during this time of mourning, they were beefing and bickering. And it was sad to... I can't say I watched it, but I heard a lot about it. (laughs) And I was like, wow. I told my brother too, Connie, I said, listen, when something happens to mom, I'm not going to be fooling with you like this. Okay. Like, so we better get on the same page now. So since meeting you, whenever we're on three-way calls, which we do often, we keep asking her stuff so we can hear the same thing at the same time. Oh my gosh, Patrice, if I could ingrain that in the heavens, so we all see it. Um, for those, even those who are listening to this podcast now, you know, and you may have younger children, talk to your children at the same time about issues like this, because you are 100% right. You've seen it in your family. I've seen it in mine. I had first cousins, one boy, one girl, who fell out for almost 15 years when my aunt passed. Because of disagreements over what they thought was supposed to happen with her belongings and her assets. And had my aunt, God rest her soul, spoken to both of them together, then perhaps that would not have happened. They're reconciled now and all is well. But so many times you do have parents who who don't talk to their children together. And so I always say to siblings and big families, you know, as siblings, get together first so that you can approach mom or dad 
uh, on the same page. Because again, parents are good. They will tell you one thing, Patrice, and then tell your brother something else. Because they know who they're going to get the pushback from mm-hmm. and who's going to just say, okay, mom, whatever you want. And, and again, I, I've seen the challenges of parents and loved ones getting sick and growing older break families, not to mention what happens once they pass away. And again, it's because of the unknown, because of, of things not written down. How many of us say in business all the time? I say it about my staff all the time. If it's not written down, it didn't happen. Yeah. If it's not written down, it has no credibility. Mm-hmm. You can't, if you just said, she said, I'm going to say, I need to see it in writing. Um, and that applies to our parents too, and how we care for them as they get older. So, Kami, you started in the beginning saying that you had some personal experience with this. So what was your experience with your own parents? Wow. Um, you know, when I got in this business in 2002, I personally believe it was divinely orchestrated. Um, I, I had been downsized from my job and ran across this franchise model. And once I decided to step in and purchase it, I moved back to Cleveland. I had been living in St. Louis. I wasn't married at the time, and my father had just passed. So I moved back in, Patrice, with my mother. I moved in the house with my mother mm-hmm. to start my business. I cut my costs. I was bare bones and started my business in the same home I grew up in. During those first several months or year, I started to notice some things with my mom. And I started noticing some memory issues. And ultimately, my mother was diagnosed with dementia, and I moved in the direction of having caregivers with her over a period of time. But prior to that, when I first started noticing some memory things going on, just small things, I rallied my siblings. I had two sisters and a brother. There were four of us. And I told them my concerns, and we all got together with my mother. I will never forget this, Patrice, at the kitchen table and said, okay, mom, daddy's gone. My father had been dead then by, oh, about maybe close to two years. And we sat with her and we said, and we did not really address the memory at that time Mm -hmm. because she had not been formally diagnosed. Um, We said to her, mom, what do you want us to do if, if a sickness hits you, if you're not able to make your decisions? And she had the open, transparent conversation with us right then. She even jokingly said, I don't have a lot, but doggone it, if I only have four kitchen chairs, everybody gets one chair. I will never forget that. (laughs) I will never forget that. And so we heard her wishes. She pulled out her documents from her insurance papers to her bank account. We ended up getting an attorney who came to the house to put documents in place. My brother was selected as, as her financial power of attorney. My sister was selected as her medical power of attorney. And it wasn't me, Patrice, and I'm the one who owns the business, but I was okay with that. She made her decisions on who she wanted to speak or act on her behalf. Should she find herself in a position of not being able to make those decisions? And lo and behold, Patrice, several months or a couple of years later, I had AIDS with my mother, ultimately 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because she got to the place of not being able to make any decisions on her behalf. But for my family, the journey was sweet because we weren't running around like crazy people trying to figure out what would mom want us to do? Mm. Because we had that conversation 
at the table. You know how, how we hear things sometimes from a spiritual perspective of coming to the table, mm-hmm. coming to the table, breaking bread at the table, having those deep conversations at the table. That's literally where we work at the table saying, mommy, what do you want us to do for you? If you get to a place where you can't do for yourself. And that's what I, I encourage people to do. Everything doesn't work like it worked in my family. I know, because I'm about to say but, something. <laughs> <laughs> when it does, when it does, when it does, the chaos and the confusion, when a sickness or disease or just the general aging that we're all going to go through is it's challenging enough. But when, when those things are in line, you can press forward without at least thinking, oh, my God, I got to call my brother because he's not he's not going to cooperate with this particular thing that I need to talk to him about. Yeah, I, I've seen it go well or sweet, as you say, like it did um, in your experience. My I have uh, half siblings. I don't really call them half, but just so it makes mm-hmm. sense to the audience. But I have um, a, two younger brothers and a younger sister, and they have the same mom. And their mom passed last year from cancer. And mm-hmm. one of the things that really just blew me away was how on the, how much on the same page they were, how they mm-hmm. all contributed, how they all made sure that she passed with dignity. And mm-hmm. they, they, they rallied together and rallied around and watching them from a distance even was just so encouraging. You know, to see three people, three adult children come together and make sure that they took care of their parent. Um, But in the same respect, I also have witnessed other folks who are struggling through this because you have the one sibling who is responsible and who may have been, quote unquote, mama's favorite. And now Mm. they bear the burden of figuring out everything medically, financially, paying out of their pocket for things and they have two and three and four other siblings. Right. How often right. do you see that? And do you have any just self-care tips for those right. people? Right. right. And, and you know what, what you just said is more, I recognize that what happened in my family is, is rare. I, I know that from my own personal experience and, and professional experience, what you just stated is more common than not. I'm, I'm working with four or five families now where there are four, five, six, one family has eight children and they can't seem to get on the same page about what to do for mom or dad. And it does fall on many, many times one, one person. I think one of the things that I would say to encourage the audience, and I don't think this is fair, but it happens. And I, and I think it's totally not fair. I see with siblings a lot where many times if there's one or two kids who are single and not married, mm. the, the married people make the assumption that where well, you're single, you should be able to do it. And I think that's unfair. And I'm speaking yeah. as a married person. I think that's so unfair because you're all the offspring of Mrs. Jones or Mr. Jones. But many, many times, it does fall on one. When I'm talking to families and siblings, I do say everyone should have a role. It may not be Patrice, the identical role, but everyone should have a role. One person's role might be, I'm just handling the bills for mom or dad. I've got that. Another one might be, I do all of the doctor's appointments. 
That's my job. Whenever mom or dad has to go to a doctor's appointment, I'm right there with them. Another one might be, I'm going to coordinate all of any necessary home repair or, or modifications. And, that, or, right? mm-hmm. and so everybody who, who loves mom or dad needs to have some role. When we talk about role reversal, needs to have a, a part in the caregiving. However, that caregiving is defined because every senior is going to age differently. The other thing we see a lot is, I mean, I know where you are now and where your mom is. So the big thing now is this long distance. How do you, how do you even address this if you're a long distance adult child and you're having to save money to fly back and forth or to get mom to you? And so, again, the importance of trying to have these conversations on the front end, particularly when you're talking about having to utilize some of your money to assist your loved ones. You've got to plan for that. You've got to plan for that. If your mom is in Chicago and you live in Los Angeles, you know that there's going to be some periodic trips that you have to make there, mm-hmm. whether it's just to check on her or whether it's when the crisis occurs. So, so again, the importance of the siblings trying to reach some, some level of agreement and understanding prior to the incidents occurring will, gosh, will eliminate so much of the anger, mm-hmm. bitterness, frustration, unnecessary additional expenditures. A lot of that can be eliminated if yeah. you can find a place of having the conversation on the front end. Well, that's what I really admired about my siblings were the roles they took. Like one was mm-hmm. responsible for you know, all the healthy meals and helping their mom change her diet in those last several months. And another was at all the doctor's appointments and another kind of moved in to just make sure the daily stuff, you know, was taken. But everyone had a role, which I believe from what I could tell, didn't make anyone bitter. And you talked about proximity um, and you also talked about, you know, single versus versus Mm -hmm. married siblings. I think the other one is the assumption that you know, I, this is what I've heard the most. Well, you got it. You know, you turn right. to the one sibling who may be what you consider to be the most successful. And now you think they need to wear all the roles or wear all the hats and under this, this idea that, well, you got it. Right. Right. And people do people, people, again, I see this in families and I, and to a degree, maybe I saw it in mine a little bit um, because there were two of us here in Cleveland and the other two were still in Ohio, they're in Columbus and Cincinnati, and I had the I had phenomenal siblings, but still the perception was unless you and Karen call us, we assume everything's cool. You got it. You you got it. And so as a caregiver, and I will use that word, caregiver doesn't mean you're in the house doing all of the work. You can be a long distance caregiver. You could be the person just calling mom every day to make sure she takes her medicine. But once you shift into that mode of caring for a loved one, it's almost like automatic pilot and you just do what you have to do. So you're right. Your siblings and others say, well, she's not complaining and she didn't ask for any help. So I assume she's got it. And then the caregiver becomes overwhelmed and burned out and angry and burdened and bitter because the siblings are saying you didn't ask and you're thinking, but why should I have to ask? She's your mother yes, too. Yes, your mother too. Yeah. Mother too. 
He's your father too. And, and so, so again, we're all busy. We're all caught up with our careers and our children and our community involvement. And, you know, one hand is saying, if you need help, you'll ask. And the other one is saying, why should I have to ask? You ought to know. And, and, and isn't that the same thing that we run into with relationships of any kind, whether it's with mm-hmm. our spouses, whether it's with our children, we say to our husband, well, well, how come you didn't know that? And he's saying, well, why didn't you ask? Mm-hmm. It, it's the same art of communication with our siblings about our, and with our parents. Make no assumptions. Ask the question. Ask right. the question and say, I need help. I can't do this with mom by myself. I need help. Yeah, that's one of the things we talk about a lot here in different if different areas of our lives, like just asking for what you want yeah. um, and knowing that people want to support you. They just don't know how to. So unless we speak up and say, this is how I need support, then it's not that people don't care. A lot of times they just don't know and they're not mind readers. And if we act like we got it, then people assume we got it. And and particularly those of us as women, you know, we, I think I learned in this journey with my mom and, and as a business owner, I quickly learned I'm not superwoman. Mm-hmm. I had to say that to myself, kind of, you are not superwoman. You can't do it all. It's okay to say to your sister in Cincinnati on the weekend when you had mom, hey, Patrice, can you come home this weekend? Mm-hmm. I, can you just come home and be with mom? I, I don't even want to go over there this weekend. But I had to ask that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then my sister got it real quick. She's like, okay, this is on my calendar. Every X amount of weeks, I'm home. Mm-hmm. I've got mommy for the weekend. Don't you worry about a thing. I'll call you if I need you. That was that, my respite. Yeah. That was just my respite. My sister said, I'm coming home to take care of mommy. I'm not even coming home to visit you. I'm coming mm-hmm. home to take care of mommy. That was my respite. So again, we as women need to ask versus always feeling like we're, we're super women. We're taking care of our kids. We're taking care of our careers. We're taking care of our husbands and we're taking care of our parents and women by nature are the nurturers. Mm-hmm. We are, we're just the nurturers. So we find ourselves falling into that, taking control and doing it all just by default. It's what we do. Yeah. And we have to remember we're nurturers, but we're human. And we're we're we wear and tear and we're tired. (laughs) And um, I learned from one of the women in my community, Deidre, she actually has this passion for working with caregivers or caretakers Mm. in the sandwich generation in particular, because she wants us to not feel guilty for saying I need help to not feel guilty for saying I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like it this week. I've been at it all week or I've been at it and not feel like that means you don't love mom. You don't really. Right. right? Cause it's, it, you know how we tell these stories that make no sense, but we get committed to the story. And so we will go on and on and on and take care of something, nurture someone for years. And then the one week that we're like, I don't feel like it. We're like, does that make me a bad person? Like, oh, well, I don't think I don't love her. <laughs> Yep, 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 yep. And, and, and again, it, it, it's perpetuating itself in families all across um, the country. And we won't even get into what we see culturally in, in certain ethnic groups about how, how aging is viewed and how families are supposed to just take on the role. And you dare not 
get help from anyone outside of the family. You dare not share your concerns about what's going on within the household about mom or dad or even your relationships with your siblings, which which is unhealthy in and of itself. I, I remember Patrice, a client who was an only child. Her mom had Alzheimer's and she was walking me to the door one day and she hugged me and all she whispered in my ear was, I will never do to my children what my mom has done to me. And Patrice, that rings in my ear to this day. There was so much behind that. And the little bit that I knew was she had to figure out how to take care of her mother because she knew nothing about her mother was a secretive one. So she had to find things and look for things and dig up papers. And she, and she had to piece it together all while her mom had memory loss. So she couldn't even ask her. And, and she just hugged me real tight. And she said, I'll never do to my children what my mom has done to me. Is that not powerful? Oh my gosh. I felt that uh, in my belly. I felt that in my soul. Like, oh. Yeah. And and that was 10 years ago or 12 years ago when that was told to me. And I remember that almost every day, that woman saying that to me as she hugged me tightly. Um, So whatever anguish she was going through during this journey of loving her mom and caring for her mom, she had moved her mom into her house. So her mom was living with her. So, you know, again, my mantra and my message to those of us who are are looking ahead to uh, how to care for our parents and and recognizing that the the role reversal is coming if it's not already upon us. Um, Mm. You know, we've we've got to equip ourselves so that we can care for ourselves so that we're not frantic. Um, We're in a whole different generation than when our parents grew up, when families stayed in the same community, Mm -hmm. they didn't leave town. It really was a village surrounding families. We're all spread out across the country now. Yeah. And so how do we, how do we do this? How do we journey this, this role reversal? People are living longer. My oldest client is 103 years old. People are living longer, which means our parents are with us. God willing, unless some horrible accident occurs or some chronic disease, they're living longer which means we're going to be involved with them much longer than we probably anticipated. Yeah. That goes back to those conversations you got to have with your financial advisors too, about how to plan for that because living longer, but not able to work. And in many of our families, people are not necessarily prepared for that long of a retirement. That's the other thing is, is I'm watching adult children have to incur the expense because when you think about our parents, they, they aged thinking, okay, I'm going to have Social Security and Medicare and my retirement. But long-term aging expenses, particularly if you have to bring in any kind of outside services into the home, are not cheap. And so in my business alone, many adult children are paying for the cost of having a visiting angel come in to take care of their mom or dad. The bill might be going to Georgia and the son is paying for his mom who lives here in Cleveland because mom doesn't have the assets mm-hmm. or the money or anything to pay to have an aide come in and take care of her. So for those of us who still are fortunate and blessed enough to have our parents, again, that's part of the conversation is who's going to pay for this? 
And how is it going to get paid for? And that's, again, where siblings need to come together and say, oh, okay, how do we do this? If mom lives to be 90, what do we do? Does she go into a, a nursing home because there's no money? Mm-hmm. Is that just what we're going to all decide to do? And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but right. sometimes that is the decision. We don't have the finances to keep mom at home or dad at home. She doesn't have the money to pay for services. So when mom can't take care of herself, are we all in agreement that we're going to start shopping for the best nursing home? It's a lot. But the reason that you may hear me chuckle a little under my breath is because I really, (laughs) I really feel that the people who don't have the money have the most to say about (laughs) where mom is going to go. But I'm not going to get into that because. Patrice, you must be in the corner in my office or in staff (laughs) meetings with me, but you are 100% right. The ones who don't have any money to contribute to mom or dad's aging or long-term care planning are are talking the most. The loudest, the most repetitive. And you want to say, no, you go sit down in the corner. Now, play your role. Your role may be to bring these groceries, but... Listen, okay, but I'm not going to be that person today, <laughs> Connie. I want to be on good behavior for my cruise friend, but you guys but know. No, but Patrice, <laughs> you, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to make the assumption that many, many of uh, the folks listening in right now are reflecting and thinking, oh my God, she's talking to me. This is my situation, or this is, I, I just had this conversation, or I know my sister is going to trip. Mm-hmm. Or I know my brother who only comes home on Mother's Day and acts like he's king of the castle is going to have the most to say when he only sees mom once a year. Mm-hmm. So so family dynamics are going to play a huge part in trying to navigate this this role reversal journey. And you're going to you're going to hear me say over and over again, because it's a journey, just like yeah. it's a journey when you're raising kids. It's a journey when you start down this path about what, what are we going to do for mom and dad when they cannot do this for themselves? Connie, I've heard you say role reversal a couple times, and you have a, a resource that you've created to kind of help us have the conversation. Can you tell us just a little about, you know, how this came together and, and, and what the audience can go download? Sure. You know, it really came came together from from my professional experience and and um, serving families over the years and and seeing patterns and and um, steps that could have been taken or are in the process of being taken as families are looking at uh, what to do for their loved ones. And it is a role reversal. All of a sudden, you become the parent, if you will, and they are the child. Now, I do not mean that literally, but but figuratively figuratively and symbolically, particularly if you you find yourself in a situation where your parents are unable to make sound decisions. You and I both know, Patrice, that across the country now, memory loss is huge with seniors that are aging. Mm-hmm. So preparing ahead of time is even more critical. It's one thing if you have a fully competent, capable 85-year-old mom who's just pushing back on you because she doesn't want you to know. It's another thing if your 85-year-old mom has memory loss and cannot tell you 
anything about her wishes or her belongings. And you had the opportunity 10 years prior to that to have that conversation with her. So the the steps that I have listed out really do start with, you know, have the conversation. And then I kind of walk people through, uh, again, what they should do next, what they should ask, uh, community resources that they might want to consider, how to put things in order. So, so that's something that over the years I've put together and have encouraged families to kind of follow the template, if you will, of this is what I should do. Step one, this is what I should do. Step two, this is what I should do. Step three. I I think it's brilliant. And again, why I wanted us to have the conversation, because I think some of us, while we know in the back of our minds that it's coming, Mm -hmm. what we don't know always is how to start the conversation. And even in starting it saying, well, what do you want? You know, your parent may only be thinking about, oh, I want to be buried versus cremated or I want that. Right. So there's so many layers to this, especially when you, again, talk about situations like memory loss or just other chronic illnesses. There's so many different ways that this information can can help you get through this time with grace and ease. And, you know, we just don't know where to start. So I'm really grateful that you gave us where to start. And I'm going to link to the resource um, for role reversal in the show notes, because I think we we all need to go and download this, you guys. I'm downloading as well because, you know, Marie and I, Marie's my mom, we don't have this sewed up tight. You know, I have the things that I have, but like Connie said in the beginning, we don't know what we don't know. And I'm sure that there's things on there that I'm going to learn I didn't know. And I need to get it together while she's here and and healthy and in her right mind. Um, And I encourage you guys to do the same. So Connie, before I let you go, I have to ask you uh, a few rapid wisdom questions. That's how we end every interview here. Okay. So I'll ask you a few questions and just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. How do you define success? Peace. Yes. Peace and at whatever stage you're in in your life. Peace. I love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? You stumped me there. Joy, (laughs) contentment, abundance. Love it. Joy, contentment, abundance. Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? One book that has redefined how I see wealth. Am I copping out if I say the Bible? No, you are not. (laughs) You are not. Is that final answer? I'll take it. (laughs) That's the final answer. (laughs) And here's the last one. It's fill in the blank. My name is, and then you're going to say, for me, the truth about wealth is, and then fill in that blank. So my name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Connie Hill Johnson. The truth about wealth is finding my place in life and giving back to benefit others. Service to others is my truth about wealth. I'm with it. I'm with it. Connie, this has been so good. You are going to bless a lot of families this holiday season and beyond. I don't, I don't know if you know what just happened here. There will be generational curses broken because of this conversation. Uh, 
And for the woman who gave you that hug and whispered in your ear all those years ago that she would never do to her children what her mother was doing to her, Mm. there are thousands of us out here who will be able to say the very same thing, that we will make sure that we're prepared for our children, but we're also going to still give our parents an opportunity to help us prepare for them. And I know that it was divine that my ears perked up and heard you on that cruise. Um, And I know that there will be so many people. And I want to encourage you guys, too, who are listening, you know, whether you are in Cleveland and can use Connie's, you know, service of visiting angels, that's not the point. You are going to be blessed by this conversation. I want you to reach out to her and let her know when you utilize the, the role reversal document or when you get to have that conversation. Go back and just thank her because th- this is needed. This was just a needed conversation. And I have to just say again, I'm so grateful that we met. I'm so thankful for the divine timing that took place. And I know that families are going to be blessed because of your words. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Patrice. The blessing and the honor has been mine. I enjoyed it. Okay, didn't I tell you? I know some of you are mad at me because now that you know better, you have to do better. (laughs) I know you feel like, oh, Patrice gets on my nerves. She's making me think about all these things. Now I'm going into Thanksgiving and Christmas with this on me. Let me tell you, but you will also be walking into 2020 so much more prepared. And that's all I want for you. Uh, Again, we don't know what's coming down the pipeline, but we do know it's coming. It's not a matter of if, it's just when. And I wanted you to be armed with these resources so that it doesn't, it just, so it's not as difficult, right? Like it just doesn't have to be as difficult as many of us have seen it go down. Like it's not necessary. And I want to remind you to go and get the resource that Connie was talking about. It's called Role Reversal, Five Steps to Take When Caring for a Loved One. Role reversal, five steps to take when caring for a loved one. I'm getting it. I'm doing it. And I hope that by the end of the year, I'll have it completely filled in, filled out. And I've learned a lot over this year about what my mom has, what she didn't have. You know, I did the best that I could do when I initiated, her. you know, getting a long-term care policy a few years ago. But there is so much more to put in place. And let's just not take it for granted, guys. Let's just not take it for granted. So check the link in the show notes. Open up your app right now. Check the link in the show notes. Role reversal, five steps to take when caring for a loved one will be highlighted. Click on that link and go and get the conversation started. And of course, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, which is coming up here soon. I'm not trying to make your Thanksgiving awkward. (laughs) I just want you to walk in again to 2020 more prepared. So until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.